Hey everyone, welcome to the Southside Church Podcast from Chilliwack, British Columbia, Canada. We're praying that hope would rise in your life as you listen to this message today. J.K. Rowling, author of the Harry Potter books, once said, Rock bottom became the solid foundation on which I rebuilt my life. Rock bottom became the solid foundation on which I rebuilt my life. Now there's many of you watching online today, many many of you in person, that's your story. You had a rock bottom moment. You lived through a rock bottom season and at the time you thought, this is terrible, I hate it. Nothing good could ever come from this moment. Nothing good could ever come from this season. And yet looking back now, you would say that rock bottom moment was the beginning of something better. It was a turning point in your life. For me, rock bottom happened in the middle of the night, in the middle of January, in the middle of Red Deer, Alberta. For years, I had been trying through my own efforts to achieve this sense of fulfillment deep down inside of me. I had been trying through my own efforts, through my own ideas, through my own strength to find this sense of courage, sense of joy, sense of peace. And outwardly, I was real successful, to be honest. But inwardly, it felt like the harder I tried, the more empty, the more broken, the more miserable that I felt. So I'm walking up the South Hill in Red Deer at about 2.30 a.m., freezing cold out. I'm wearing jeans and a t-shirt, and I hit rock bottom. See, up until that point in my life, I had always thought, this is eventually going to get better. I'm going to figure this out. It's going to be okay. But in that moment, in the middle of the night, in the middle of January, it hit me. Oh, no, it's not going to get better. I'm not going to figure this out. And it's not going to be okay. Another way to express that would be I reached the end of myself. I reached the end of myself. I reached the end of myself. And I called out to God. And I realize that for many of you watching online and in person, you know a little bit about my story, maybe a lot about my story. But I want you to lean in, because this aspect of my story is something that you and I most certainly have in common, and it's real important. So I reached the end of myself, and I called out to God. He answered me. Now, he didn't speak back to me in an audible voice, but I knew at the core of who I am, two things, really important now, two things. Number one, that God was going to deliver me from rock bottom, and that he was calling me to something new, to something better, to something beautiful. I knew two things in that moment. Number one, God is a deliverer. Number two, God also calls. That's really important. The same thing is true for you. God wants to deliver you from whatever your rock bottom moment might be. If there's an area in your life today that you would say, it's just not okay. God not only wants, you, wants to deliver you from that rock bottom moment, from that rock bottom aspect, he wants to call you to something new, to something better, to something beautiful. I knew right away 
on the south hill of Red Deer that day, one of the things that God was calling me to do was to leave Red Deer. Now, I told my Auntie Lida that I was gonna stop making fun of Red Deer in sermons, and I know you're watching Auntie Lida, so I wanna say, I knew that I had to leave Red Deer not because there's any problem with Red Deer. Red Deer is a beautiful city. If you haven't been there, you should visit. It's amazing. The problem wasn't with Red Deer. The problem was with me. There was patterns and people and places in Red Deer that were not good for me at all at that time in my life. So God was calling me out of Red Deer. He called me to a place called Trinity Western University out here in Langley. I remember walking on campus. To this day, if I go onto campus at Trinity Western, I'm overwhelmed with this sense of gratitude. I was there for two years, but I especially remember those first few months. The first time I ever walked onto campus, I prayed a simple prayer. I prayed, God, would you please be with me? Would you please be with me? And of course now, we know that God's always with us, but he answered my prayer in that moment because he made me acutely aware of his presence. Like, it was like he was right here with me every single step of the way. Every moment, every breath, every decision, every conversation, every dilemma I faced, I knew that he was right there. As a God of deliverance and a God of calling. As a God of deliverance and a God of calling. See, if I had to describe my life in Red Deer, to keep it real simple, I would say parties, chaos, and fighting. Parties, chaos, and fighting. And I, I left the parties completely behind when I moved. I left the chaos and fighting mostly behind when I moved. But there was one interesting habit that I carried with me from Red Deer across the mountains to Langley, and that was smoking. Now, I was never a pack-a-day smoker or anything like that. I would just smoke when I drank. But I came out to Langley, and I just continued the habit of smoking. This is what I would do. I would go driving, I would go buy a pack of cigarettes. I would smoke and I would drive. At the end of my drive, I would say, I'm never doing that again. That was really dumb. And I would throw the pack of cigarettes away. And the next day, I would go and I would drive and I would go pick up and buy another pack of cigarettes. I would drive around and smoke one or two cigarettes. At the end of my drive, I would say, I'm never doing that again. That was stupid. I would throw the pack of cigarettes away. The next day or a couple days later, I would go driving. I would go buy a pack of cigarettes. I did this for about three months. And finally, I'm like, this is expensive. This is expensive, and I also kind of got disconcerted because I'm like, I can't really tackle this thing. Like, I can't really stop. And I had never really asked God about it, so one day I'm throwing the pack of cigarettes away, and I just prayed. I said, God, I don't really want to smoke anymore. Can you help me? I felt pretty certain I threw the pack of smokes away. Wouldn't you know it, two days later, go buy another pack of smokes. I'm driving along took a puff on the cigarette, got incredibly sick, pulled over, had to walk around, just about threw up, never smoked again. So in some ways, God can be a God of miraculous deliverance, but mostly in those days, he was a God of calling. I remember looking around the campus thinking, uh, I don't really fit in here. A little more rough around the edges than every single other person at this school, so God, helped me fit in, and you know what he did? I met some friends there that absolutely called the best in me, unlike any friends I had ever had. Met my wife Corinne there on day two, too, as well, which was awesome. But mostly, this is what I knew. I knew that God was calling me into something new, into something better 
into something beautiful. He, he didn't show me the whole thing. He didn't show me my whole life at a glance at all. I don't think I could have handled it. But I knew this. I knew that as sure as I'm standing here today, I knew that every single step that I took in obedience to him was getting me closer to something new, better, and beautiful. Every step. Now, I bring that all up because we're in this series. We're almost done this series on the 12 steps of recovery. And I would suggest to you that the first 10 steps, the first 10 steps of the 12 steps, we've been celebrating God as a deliverer. We've been celebrating God as a deliverer. That God wants to deliver you from rock bottom. But in step 11 and step 12, we're going to celebrate the fact that God doesn't just deliver you from rock bottom. He's calling you to something new. He's calling you to something better. He's calling you to something beautiful. We've explained it this way throughout the series that if your story is stuck on a bad part, if your story is stuck on a bad part, if there's a part of your life where your story is stuck on a bad part, God wants to help you turn the page. If your story is stuck on a bad part, God wants to help you turn the page. Steps one through 10 talk about that, that God wants to help you turn the page. Step 11 and 12 tell you, and then, and then, after God has helped you turn the page, he wants you to write a new story with your life. A better story, a beautiful story. God is a God of deliverance, but he is also a God of calling. In Matthew chapter 12, Jesus told this story, he said this, when a defiling evil spirit is expelled from someone, it drifts along through the desert looking for an oasis. Some unsuspecting soul, it can be devil. When it doesn't find anyone, it says, I'll go back to my old haunt. On return, it finds the person spotlessly clean, but vacant. It then runs out and rounds up seven other spirits, more evil than itself, and they all move in. Whooping it up. That person ends up far worse off than if he'd never gotten cleaned up in the first place. That's what this generation is like. You may think you have cleaned up the junk from your lives and gotten ready for God, but you weren't hospitable to my kingdom message, and now all the devils are moving back in. Aristotle once said this, nature abhors a vacuum. Nature abhors a vacuum. Now, without getting super technical, in our natural universe, what it means is that matter always flows from an area of high concentration to an area of low concentration. Matter always flows from an area of high concentration to an area of low concentration. And by definition, a vacuum is an area of no concentration. In that sense, it's impossible because if matter always flows from high concentration to low concentration, there is no chance that an area of no concentration will happen. Does that make any sense at all? Just nod, just pretend. Yeah, wow, that's great, Mike, good job. <laughs> what I've just made completely unclear in the natural world <laughs> is, is also, is true in the spiritual world too. So let's talk about something a little more easy to understand. Let's talk about a visional vacuum. This is gonna sound crazy to many of us, but I would say that there are millions of people who attend church every week in the world and they're living their lives with a visional vacuum. 
In other words, they've celebrated and embraced the fact that Jesus has delivered them from their painful past. But they've never accepted his invitation. They've never accepted his calling into something new. In other words, the sum total of the vision for their lives, Lane talked about in his video, is a fear of breaking the rules. That is a visional vacuum. A visional vacuum says this, what's the plan that I have for my life? Here it is. I'm not gonna drink, smoke, or chew, and I won't date guys that do. That's the vision for my life. That's a visional vacuum. That's a visional vacuum. It's a horrible way to live your life. According to Jesus in this story in Matthew chapter 12, it's worse than if you never would have even got cleaned up in the first place. That, that if you live your life with a vision that says this, I just don't wanna mess up, that's a terrible way to live. It's a visional vacuum. And, and, and things will always come rushing in to fill up the space in a visional vacuum. Let me explain it this way. Jesus alludes to the fact in Matthew 12 there that you and me, we have a spiritual enemy. And the devil's number one plan for your life would be this, that you would be in a place of rock bottom in your life, or at least an aspect of your life would be in a place of rock bottom, and you would come to this conclusion, it's not gonna be okay. I'm not gonna figure this out. It's never gonna get better. The devil's plan for your life, his primary plan for your life is that you would stay there for your entire existence. That you would never call out to Jesus. That you would never experience deliverance. But if you do, but if you do call out to Jesus, if you do experience deliverance, if Jesus does lift you out of your painful past, the devil has a second part to his plan help you settle for a tiny, 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 tiny little life. That the vision that you would have for your life would be this. Don't mess up. Don't go back there. Don't break any rules. It's a visional vacuum. And it doesn't work. The problem is, there's many problems. The primary problem with a visual vacuum is things will always come rushing in to take up the space. And those things are normally judgmentalism, arrogance, pride, vindictiveness, superiority. You know this, by the way. You know this. Because you've met some people in your life, and at some point, they struggled really, really mightily with something. They had a struggle that they, that they needed to be delivered from. And they called out to Jesus, and he delivered them. And so they accepted his deliverance, but they never accepted his calling. And so now, the rest of their life has been about this. I don't want to go back there. I don't want to do that again. I don't wanna break that rule again. I don't wanna mess up in that way again. And what happens, you've met them. You've met them, I know you have. What happens to them, and in some ways it's really no fault of their own because they've never accepted his calling. What happens to them is what rushes in. 
Judgmentalism rushes in, rushes in. Arrogance rushes in. Pride rushes in. Vindictiveness rushes in. And what does the rest of their life look like? It looks like this. They judge and condemn people who struggle with the thing that they used to struggle with. You've met them. It's a teeny, tiny little life. See, steps one through 10 talk about this. If your story is stuck on a bad part, if your story is stuck on a bad part, man, call out to God. He's gonna help you turn the page. Step 11 and 12 say, and then, and then, with God's help, tell a new story with your life. Tell a better story with your life. Tell a beautiful story with your life. In recovery circles, they have a prayer that they've attached to step 11. It's beautiful. It's called the prayer of St. Francis. It says this, Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me sow love. Where there is injury, pardon Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. Where there is sadness, joy. O divine master, grant that I may not so much seek to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love. For it's by in giving that we receive, it's in pardoning that we are pardoned, and it's in dying that we are born to eternal life. Amen. That's the prayer. It's absolutely revolutionary. So I want to talk a little bit about this prayer, but before I talk about this prayer, I want to talk about prayer. Before I talk about this prayer, I just want to talk about prayer for just a second. Martin Luther, the Protestant reformer, once said it this way, to be a Christian without prayer, to be a Christian without prayer, is just as impossible as to be alive without breathing. To be a Christian without prayer is just as impossible as to be alive without breathing. I talked to you about the first few months that I was on campus at Trinity Western University and how much I loved it. I had read before in the Bible, 1 Thessalonians 1, I think, says this, pray without ceasing, pray without ceasing. And that never sounded good to me at all. Like at all, at all. Like a a 24-hour-a-day, seven-day-a-week prayer service. That doesn't sound fun. But I experienced it at Trinity, and it's incredible. I prayed that God would be with me. And yeah, yeah, I get it. He's always with us. But he made me acutely aware of his presence. We all need to ask him to do that. God, make me aware that you are with me every moment, every breath, every decision, every conversation, every single dilemma. That's praying without ceasing. Welcoming God, welcoming Jesus into every area, every moment of our lives. It's incredible. And you should also have like a If you can, at the beginning of the day, at the end of the day, just a dedicated time of prayer. Just you and Jesus. Have a conversation. At the beginning of this year, back in January, I introduced, kind of explained my five-part plan that I have for, that I pray through every day. If you want help with your prayer life, if you want to text the keyword five to 604-670-3040, we have a guided prayer for you that will take you through my five-step process. But remember I said it's a conversation. It's a conversation, right? And, and, and so for some of us in 2022, 
we have a tendency to talk a lot because there's lots of noise, but it's kind of hard to listen. You know what I mean? And if you can pull it off, man, it'd be amazing if you would take some time every day just to listen. I've been asking people a little bit lately, uh, where do you do your best thinking? You know what a lot of people say? They do their best thinking in the shower. Why would that be? be because it's about the only place that we can go in the world today where we're not distracted. I mean, provided that you're able to wash your hair and think at the same time, if you're not able to do that, I apologize. But for most of us, a while ago, a buddy of mine says, man, I'm gonna send you a gift. Just found this really cool thing, I'm gonna send you a gift. I said, what is it? He said, it's a Bluetooth speaker that fits like right in your shower head. I'm like, no, dude, like, no. <laughs> I just like, it's the one place that I actually come up with decent ideas, okay? Like, no. In that same way, once a day, just shut off distractions for a bit and say, speak, Lord. I'm listening. Make me an instrument of your peace. God, make me an instrument of your peace. Isn't that beautiful? Like not just, God, help me not bring chaos. God, help me not bring anxiety. God, help me not bring, you know, upheaval wherever I go. No, 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 way more than that. Way better than that. Way newer than that. Way more beautiful than that. God, make me an instrument of your peace. 1 Thessalonians 3. Man, I quoted 1 Thessalonians twice in one sermon. I'm amazing, okay? 1 Thessalonians 3 talks about uh, that, that God wants to overflow, wants to fill you with love so much. He wants to fill you with his love so much that it would overflow to the world around you. So God, make me an instrument of your peace. Like, fill me up with your love to such a degree that, that, that it would spread to the people around me. Fill me up with your hope so much that it would spread to the world around me. Fill me up so much with your peace that I would be a bringer in a world of anxiety, in a world of chaos, in a world of upheaval. God, that I would be a bringer of peace. And where there is hatred, God, help me bring love. So our hatred is a commodity. Well, more specifically, our attention is a commodity. You know that, right? The attention economy is a multi-trillion dollar industry. Our attention is a multi-trillion dollar commodity. And influencers and advertisers have figured out that there's two things that will hold our attention better than anything else. Anxiety and anger. Okay, so, so the attention economy is multi-trillion dollars. And influencers and advertisers have figured out that there's two things that will hold your attention. Anxiety and anger. Which just so happen to be the ingredients for hatred. Go back to the 1930s. The National Socialist Party in Germany, otherwise known as the Nazis. That's what they did better than anyone maybe in history. They made their people angry and they made their people afraid. In, the, in their anger and in their fear, they developed a hatred beyond anything that we've ever seen. Anxiety and anger 
breed hatred. So you look around the world today, do you see it? Do you see the tribalism? Do you see the enmity? Do you see the objectification? You know what I mean by objectification? When all of a sudden people cease to be people. They're just an idea that we can attack. You see it? Back in week one of the series, step one says this, my life is unmanageable and I'm powerless to fix it. My life is unmanageable and I'm powerless to fix it. I would suggest that in August of 2022, one of the reasons why my life is unmanageable, one of the reasons that your life might be unmanageable, at least to some degree, is because of the hatred. Because of the anger and the anxiety stirring up the tribalism, stirring up the enmity, stirring up the objectification. Hatred. Hatred robs, of us, robs us of our ability to be wise, robs us of insight, robs us of compassion, robs us of kindness. So God, God, please, please, where, where, where there is hatred, could I please bring love? Help me see like you see, beyond the issue to the person. Help me love like you love. And he prays, where there is injury, may I bring pardon. If the whole world is eye for an eye, if the whole world is an eye for an eye, if the whole world is an eye for an eye, then we'll all go blind. See, at some point in your life, you come to this realization that bitterness, bitterness is like drinking rat poison and waiting for the person who, who hurt you back then to die. Bitterness is when you drink rat poison and you wait for the person who hurt you to die. Maybe I'll put this a different way. St. Francis is praying this, God, I know that I've turned the page and you, and, and you want my life to tell a new story, a better story, a beautiful story. So help me release my painful past so that I can step into the new and the better and the beautiful. And then he prays, where there is doubt, may I bring faith. Have you ever thought about the relationship of faith and doubt? Have you ever thought of the relationship of faith and doubt? Like if, you, if we didn't have doubt, we wouldn't really need to have faith, would we? If doubt didn't exist, we wouldn't need to have faith. I think about that a lot. I talked about like those first few months at Trinity Western, and to me that was like a mountaintop experience. You know, and I've had lots of these moments in my life where it's God is like right here. I feel like he's right there with me. And those are beautiful moments. And what I want to suggest to you today is that we need to embrace those moments and celebrate those moments. And we need to understand that those are the moments that help us build our faith. But what we built on the mountaintop, we must exercise in the valley. What we built on the mountaintop we must exercise in the valley. Like what I'd like to tell you is, you know how I told you that I quit smoking? Because I said, God, help me quit smoking. And I took a puff of the cigarette, got really sick, almost threw up, I'm done with that. What I would like to tell you is throughout my life, every time I've been tempted to do something stupid, God just made me nauseous and I didn't do it. But that's not true at all. You know, every time I was gonna lose my temper, God just made me nauseous and I never got angry again for the rest of my life. Not true. 
Every time that I was gonna doubt God's gifts inside of me and give in to insecurity, God just made me sick. I threw up and I was never insecure again. Not true. See, mountaintop is awesome. It's incredible. Those moments where we're just building our faith and God is real like he's right there, but what we built on the mountaintop, we must exercise in the valley. God, would I be someone that would be able to proclaim you're real on the mountain and you're real in the valley. You're true on the mountain and you're true in the valley. You're love on the mountain and you are love even in the valley. It's a revolutionary life that God would want to deliver you from rock bottom and then call you to something better, to something beautiful. That, that God, if your story is stuck on a bad part, that God would wanna help you turn the page and then tell a new story. A new story, a better story, a beautiful story. What a plan, what a plan, what a plan. And this prayer lays it out. What does that new story look like? What does that better story look like? What does that beautiful story look like? that I may not so much seek to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love. For it's actually in giving that we receive. It's in pardoning that we are pardoned. And it's in dying that we are born to eternal life. That's the new story. That's the better story. That's the beautiful story, and it's absolutely revolutionary. Jesus said it this way. He said, if you want to find real life, lose yourself. If you want to find real life, lose yourself. I've called it before the upside-down reality, the upside-down reality of the open-handed life. You know what Jesus actually promises you? that when you choose to console rather than being consoled, that you will find consolation. Jesus promises that when you, when you seek first to understand and rather, rather than trying first to be understood, that you would find true understanding. Jesus promises that when you follow his call, when you obey his call, that when you seek to love first rather than being loved, that you would actually experience a love beyond anything that you could experience by just saying, me, me, me. It's amazing. <laughs> it's the upside down reality of the open-handed life. It blows one's mind. It's your new story. It's your better story. It's your beautiful story. That God has a plan for you, not just that his blessings would flow to you, but that his blessings would flow through you. God's plan for your life is not just that his blessings would flow to you and sit there, <laughs> God's, plans is that, God's plan is that his blessings would flow to, you, flow to you and through you. That's why John 3.16 doesn't say this. For God so loved the Mike Manus. For God so loved the Mike Manus that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. God does love me. But God so loved the world. And now here's the opportunity. I can be blessed. I can be blessed beyond any measure or imagination of how I could bless myself. I can be blessed most when I am a blessing. That's the plan. 
That's the plan. That's the upside-down reality of the open-handed life. So for those of you getting baptized, I want you to know that this is what you're celebrating today. That at some point along your journey, your story was stuck in a bad part. There was a part of your story that was just stuck in a bad part, and you said, God, would you please help me? And you know what he did? He did help you. He helped you turn the page. And baptism reminds us that not only did he turn the page, but now he's calling you to a new story, to a better story, to a beautiful story. Do you get it? So you, you go into the tank, and they drop you under the water. Depending on the kind of life you've lived, you might be under there for four or five minutes. We're not exactly sure. And then, okay. And so, and, 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 and what that is, is that's, that's celebrating that God's a deliverer. That God washes you clean. That you're past your past. You don't carry that baggage and that regret around with you anymore. Isn't that incredible? But then... Fortunately, they don't leave you under the water any more than God leaves you clinging to your painful past. You get lifted up. That's God's plan for you. It's to lift you up, turn the page, tell a new story, tell a better story, tell a beautiful story. That's the plan. That's the dream. That's your life. So I will say this. If you haven't been baptized yet, but you're not signed up, you need to get baptized today. You need to get baptized today. Let's get on with it, man. Let's get on with it, woman. Let's go. Let's go. Okay? God wants to deliver you. Great. I celebrate that. It's awesome. Now, can we start telling that story? Because you, like, you will never experience blessing like you experience when you decide that you're going to be a blessing. You will never tell a story worth telling until you realize that God has a brand new story for you. And it's better and it's beautiful and it's the upside down reality of the open-handed life and there's nothing like it and it starts today and it stretches into eternity. Let's go. So you need to get baptized even if you haven't signed up. Say, I don't have a change of clothes. We do. You know, I'm not even gonna tell you all the things we have. Whatever you're thinking right now, we have that. Say, well, I want my family to be here. I don't know if you noticed, but we got cameras. It's really cool, you know? And so we're gonna show them later. And they're gonna be so stoked for you. So the band's gonna play, and we're gonna dunk people. Depending on their lifestyle, it might take a while. And then uh, there's gonna be volunteers over here. And if you haven't signed up yet, but you realize today is the day I'm gonna step out of the past into something beautiful, then come tell them. I'm stepping up, I'm getting baptized today and we would love to do that. So, before I finally shut up, let's pray. Bow your heads and close your eyes, please. So I guess my question for you, whether you're watching online or you're here in person right now, is your story stuck on a bad part? Is there an area of your life where your story is stuck on a bad part? Maybe outwardly you're very successful, but inwardly you wonder why you can't shake this feeling of emptiness. Or maybe you would say this, 
I used to think everything was gonna be okay. But just the last little while, I kind of thinking, man, it's not gonna be okay. I want you to know that's called reaching the end of yourself. No matter what things look like on the outside, inside, maybe you've reached the end of yourself. And what I wanna say is that's the best place to be. That's, the, that's, a, that's turning point time. That's turning point time. That's the best place to be. So today what I wanna tell you is that if you're in that place, God is a deliverer. He wants to lift you out of your painful past. That Jesus Christ, his son, stepped into human history. He lived, died, and he rose again so that you can move past your past into something new, into something better, into something beautiful. So if you've never accepted that free gift of forgiveness, that free gift of eternal life that starts now and stretches into eternity with all heads bowed and all eyes closed, if you wanna do me a favor, just do something incredibly bold. Raise your hand up right now real high because I wanna pray for you right now. It's amazing, amazing. You can raise your hand if you're online too, if it's safe to do so, unless you're operating a motor vehicle, in which case I suggest you do not, but God sees your pretend hand, okay? Let's go. That's amazing. Okay, if your hand is up, you can put your hand down and I'm gonna pray out loud and I just invite you to pray along with me silently. So dear God, thank you that you so love the world and you so love me. You see me. You know me. You love me just as I am. Thank you. So Jesus, you died on the cross so that I can move past my past. And so today I just ask that you would help me do so. I hand you my sin and my shame and my regret. I let it go. And Jesus, you rose again so that I can rise to a life worth living, to a story worth telling, today, tomorrow, and forever. Give me the strength to follow you one next step at a time. I love you. I thank you in your name. Amen. Let's celebrate. Amazing. So we're baptizing now. Did I mention we got towels? Yeah, we got stuff. If you need to get baptized, let's make this happen. I'll be right down there by the tank also. We can chat. We'll dunk you. Love you guys. Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. And to stay up to date with all things Southside, follow at Southside underscore church on Instagram. We love you guys. The best is yet to come.